Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights that pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? <laughs> then grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi-unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear is streaming in HD. Fine tunes above your ears. And standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor, it's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising, proven concepts to start enterprises. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Huh, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today. Sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Sustainable growth. The sensible franchise. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is a special edition of Franchise Today. Today, Stan Friedman and I will be talking about. Um, franchise today back to its earliest days and beginning of 2009 uh, through this past year. We're going to talk some about uh, reflections on the past year, both uh, on the show, but also in franchising as well. And then we're going to set the stage for some exciting news that's sure to take franchise today to new heights. And of course, Stan is on the line from Hotlanta. Stan, how are you today? Anything but hot, Paul. And you know, in the last couple of years, we've always kind of begun our podcast haven't we with a bit of the weather stories and it's cold Atlanta today Paul not hot Atlanta the temperature here is a nosedive <laughs> winter's finally yeah, arrived we're, we're, <laughs> yeah we're we're sitting with 70 degrees and sunny and not a cloud in the sky which is unusual well, well maybe you'll have that weather in the next day or so well I'll welcome it in the next day or so but all they've said is coming is rain more rain we've had a ton of that Hey, Happy New Year to you, brother. It's good to be back live. We've been on a bit of an extended hiatus, haven't we? We have. We have um, ended the year. Um, kind of kind of, it was a little bit slow in, in, in franchising in some circles, and some circles was extremely busy. I felt like once Christmas came, the, the, the day or two afterwards, I was ready for it to be done. And then, of course, it extended, and some people said, well, I'm not going to be back to the 5th. I'm not going to be back to the 8th. I'm not going to be back to the 7th. And it just seemed to, to drag on. But I look forward to a, a very strong, prosperous 2019 for everybody uh, involved in franchising. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that today and get some shared points of view from collected opinions that we've gathered from some of the leadership in the franchise world as to what they see ahead for 2019, but we'll save that for a little further into the hour. Um, Holiday-wise, I couldn't agree with you more in some ways, and in others, I'm like sitting here with whiplash. Can't believe that the holidays even came and went as quickly as they did. Um, I don't know. This this whole year, 2018 for me was almost a blur, Paul. 
I think this year has well, been one of the fastest-paced years I can remember. Yeah, I remember, you know, us at various times during the year saying, you know, can you believe, you know, IFA conference mm-hmm. is already here. Can you believe, you know, the leadership update conference? Can you believe, you know, the, you know, public affairs in, in Washington, D.C.? It just seemed like everything just kept creeping up on us. And you're right. I think a great way to 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 mention that is whiplash. That's what it always felt like. Yeah, I, I just don't know where the year went. And I think that some of it is we've, you know, gotten a little older in life. I think some of it is the quickening of of time happens when you start to get older. But I've talked to a lot of people in the franchise world who in 2018, and by the way, 20, 30 years, my junior, who have experienced very similar expressions of can't believe how fast-paced this year has been and how much has changed and how quickly it's changing And I think some of it has to do with politics and some of it has to do with the news cycle and some of it has to do with just the fact that, uh, you know, culturally um, we're at one of those inflection points in time where where a lot of changes happen all at once. And I think it can be overwhelming for some. And then for others who take a deep breath and just stay centered, I think it's opportunity time for real growth and progression in your brands and in your careers and, and whatever it is you're doing. This is a, a good time to be in this world of franchising, wouldn't you agree? I, I agree. Uh, I see a lot of, you know, uptick. I think there is some correction going on. Um, I was really sad to, to learn yesterday about Gigi's Cupcakes and Mr. Gaddy's Pizza uh, and their parent mm-hmm. company uh, going through some bankruptcies. Um, and yet, on the other hand, um, we hear about, you know, some some great progress being made on, on many different fronts. So I, I think there's going to be just a little bit of, of shakeout, uh, so to speak, on some of this, um, you know, private equity purchases uh, at, that seem to be going even to very low levels uh, beyond, of course, what, you know, War Capital and some of the others have been known to do over the years. And, and of course, those are the big names. And then, of course, you have more and more players looking at it. So that'll be interesting from that front. Well, I think so, too. And, you know, the private equity world has had such a huge impact on franchising. I think it's going to be several more years before we actually understand the ramifications in some cases of what those private equity companies' um, involvement in our space is going to really look like. Um, Some of these companies have come on so quickly, and, and literally there's mad scrambles for acquisition of brands. And valuation sometimes, you know, market-driven. But, um, you know, like you said, there has to be some corrections. And we've seen that in some things like subprime. And I hope never to see things like that happening in in the valuations of franchising businesses. But who knows? Who knows what tomorrow brings, Paul? And the other thing I I noticed in uh, 2018, definitely more than has been in the past, of course, very well-established franchise brands bringing on some additional brands. And, of mm-hmm. course, we've interviewed a, a few of them uh, over the past couple of years, and especially this this past year. So that's going to be interesting to watch um, moving forward to see how those brands fit, uh, those brands fit with the culture of the, uh, the franchisor acquiring them. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. It's also going to be interesting to see if that is actually going to help multi-unit, multi-brand franchising for those brands, 
or if they will be two distinct uh, paths. And and of course, I think we uh, we heard that when we interviewed the uh, the, the lady from um, uh, Anytime Fitness. Her name uh, eludes me, and she talked about the two brands they had, yeah. and one of them. And she said it's just not going to be the same franchisee. We we've learned that, so it'll be interesting. That was Jennifer Yangu, who's their VP yes. of Operations, and and as she expressed with the brands Anytime Fitness and Waxing the City that the profile was very different and not necessarily a good fit. And now they've since brought on yet a third brand, as I understand. So who knows? There's, and, you know, I think that that's not something that is a rule of thumb answer either. I think in some cases there may be synergies that just like anything else in franchising, that the economies of scale are what drive the success of franchising and where back ends can converge and, and mitigate costs of operation um, it would make sense that you do things at least back end that benefit all the brands that are flying your flags. But sometimes on the front end, it's as she explained in the case of any time in waxing the city, it just didn't make sense to try to push a square peg into a round hole that the differences between the two brands and the franchisees of the two brands just didn't make economic sense to try to go that path. But we've talked to others who I think have different points of view and what they do in the kinds of brands that they actually acquire are intentional with the thoughts of, of synergies and the abilities for their franchisees to have another line of service or product offerings to their customer base. And um, I think we're going to see a little bit more of both actually. Yeah, I think so. I know one of our most recent uh, interviews with Brian uh, Scudamore of uh, O2E brands. And of course, 1-800-GOT-TRUNK is one of those. But, you know, hearing, you know, him talking about, you know, the customer kind of along the lines of what Neighborly, formerly the Dwyer Group, has done with building a database of, of multi-services for their customer base. I mean, just some brilliant strategies going on there. Absolutely. And Eric, that's a great example of what it is I was just alluding to with, you know, piling on other brands that are that are of a like nature so that just like a multi-unit franchisee who may have two or three, you know, sandwich shops in a five mile radius can buy one money mailer or Advo and, and do his marketing for the price of one coupon across three stores. There are economies of scale in doing that. And of course, when you look at the Dwyer group and the, and the kinds of services that their brands provide to consumers with one bit of marketing to the consumer in any marketplace, you've got, you know, 18, 20 different brands that you can be bringing to the consumer's attention that are all focused on home or the home improvement or home improvement needs. So I think it's, it's the ultimate scale. It's scale at the ultimate level. It's not just at the unit level, but now we're seeing it at the Zora level as well. And it's pretty exciting. It is. And of course we've seen uh, also this year, uh, and it'd be interesting to see which industry segment pops out as, as popular as fitness was, this year, it seemed like we went five or six weeks uh, where four of those weeks we were talking to uh, fitness brands and, and of course, listening to uh, the likes of, of Shannon Hudson over at Nine Round and, of course, Josh York. I mean, talk about a level of energy 
um, and I see now that he's actually got a podcast, which is uh, has been gaining some steam. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see, you know, all these things happening, and um, I'm curious to see, you know, how much of a wave this uh, the fitness segment, you know, continues with uh, in 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 this year and beyond. I'm going to uh, piggyback on what you've just brought to light in uh, in just a moment and share with the audience some things that I've learned just this week from. Uh, Robert Crisante, president and CEO of the IFA, who was here in Atlanta uh, giving his annual State of the Union, which he's done every year since he's taken office as the president and CEO, and Steve Caldera before him uh, coming to Atlanta every year and to our either end of year or beginning of year first quarter meeting of the Atlanta Southeast Franchise Forum slash FBN to deliver um, some insights on the year past and the year ahead. But you just brought Josh York into the topic of conversation here. And Mr. Jim Guys, Josh York, CEO and founder, um, has checked in with me, Paul, weekly since he appeared here on Franchise Today <laughs> earlier, uh, well, later in the year last year, just to check in and see if he's still the most high-energy <laughs> guest that Franchise Today has ever hosted. <laughs> and I've had to tell him, Hands down, you know, we've had some great interviews and we've had some incredible guests, Josh, but none of them were like sticking your finger into an electrical outlet and getting shocked with energy uh, the way you delivered it. So he still keeps that record intact. Would you agree? I, I agree. I agree. It's definitely a high energy level. You know, looking back to uh, in the previous year, uh, especially, um, it, it seemed brands were, were popping up on our radar through the uh, the great efforts and support of Franchise Today by the likes of Fishman PR, uh, Biscom PR, and of course All Points uh, PR. Uh, brought to us some some people that um, both of us said afterwards, God, I never knew that brand existed or. Um, I, I had heard of it, but didn't know it was that big. And, you know, we talked with um, uh, Scott Walker, the president and CEO of California-based Screen Mobile. And I remember the two of us getting off the, the phone and uh, debriefing afterwards and said, never knew, never knew. And, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, some for me that you knew that were under my radar, I mean, Solomon Michon. Uh, with the uh, um, uh, and OXO uh, OXXO care cleaners, I mean, and the technology right. that's being brought into some brands that he's brought into his brand has just been phenomenal. It just opened my eyes to you know all kinds of you know possibilities that are out there. And and with that in mind, uh, I go back to you know as Isa Sheen uh, said when you interviewed him from your office uh, last year, and he said you know we're getting you know, one franchisor a day coming into franchising, and that's been the pace over the last two to three years. And he said, I think it's going to happen for the next two to three years at the least. And you think about, you know, technology and all the different type of opportunities that are out there. I think it's going to be an exciting run for franchising. So a couple of points, data points that you touched on that um, I'm just looking back on some of the slides that, uh, Robert Crisante delivered to us here in Atlanta this week. And one of those was the top sectors for new franchise brands. And a whopping 65% of 
of brands entering the market are in non-food and service sectors in 2018. Um, the top 10 sectors for new franchise brands were led by health and, well, called health in general, but health-related, um, you know, taking care of baby boomers and the bright stars and many others like it uh, of the world. So health in general, but the, the broader spectrum, including fitness and concepts that um, that are like gym guys and gym training um, programs and yoga and all things health related far and away is leading the pack. Uh, second to that were frozen desserts, fast food in other categories, pet related was well in that top five tier mm-hmm. as well. And then cosmetics, cosmetic aids and services around cosmetics. But of, of the growth in franchising over the year, 65% of brands entering are not anywhere related to food. And the other thing that was a start to the point you were just making about Aziz when he appeared in 2015, we saw a peak of the number of new brands entering the market. In fact, if I look at this curve that goes back to 2005 from 05, 06, 07, 8, 9 were all progressive years where there were a greater number of brands entering the market as franchise companies than the prior year. In 10, it leveled off and actually dipped a little, and then it jumped again in 11, 12, and 13, and dipped again in 14. It maxed out at 350 or 55 brands a year back in 13, 14, and 15. And then this past two years, the number has, or the percentage has declined. And so this year, we're down to about 260 new brands in 18 that entered franchising for the first time. So fewer number of brands, and I'm not certain that that's a bad thing, to be honest with you, Paul. I think there has been over the past many years, and as this bell curve just indicates, maybe too many companies that thought that the fast track to growing their business was franchising. And, and even as we've seen with franchisees, sometimes where prospective franchisees have a mismanaged expectation of what the experience is going to be like to become a franchisee. I think we've seen some of that on the Zor side as well. And so hopefully, if there has been a decline, well, these numbers indicate that there's a decline. Hopefully part of that reason may be um, an awakening to the idea of a little bit more managed expectations and better managed expectations on the parts of potential franchisors, not just potential franchisees, so that they have their eyes open wide as to what it is to grow and scale a business with other people's money as your dependence in franchising as compared to a company-owned operator who can do whatever he wants any way he wants without concerning sure. uh, the state, the other stakeholders that are part of the equation. You know, as uh, uh, myself and my team at Franchise Foundry focus uh, just about exclusively now on emerging brands, I, I think those numbers are a little light. Uh, and the reason is I think there's, and, and, and I say this very cautiously because I think this is where the potential problem is from my own personal experience. Um, I think there are franchisors out there that have looked at franchising and, and probably through uh, rose-colored glasses and said, there's my path to building a big brand. I'm going to you know, get involved in franchising. Um, and I say cautiously because I think that 
Um, there are some that are, there's many that are under the radar that have gotten their FDD thinking that, okay, I'm ready to sell. Uh, maybe not even have a profitable location uh, as their model. Uh, and I'm coming across them left and right. And I've even seen alarmingly a number of them trying to cobble together their own documents, uh, which of course is, is very troubling. And uh, it's, it's just my word of caution on this because I'm seeing it on the, on the front line. So I think there's, um, there's going to be some shake out of those and it might not even be publicized. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll be good. But what's alarming to me is that the ones that are not cobbling it together themselves, uh, I have found a number of brands with one location, barely at profitability where someone has uh, charged them quite a bit of money to do a legal document, the FDD, and um, they're nowhere ready to franchise. And I hope and pray that some unsuspecting um, investors don't, you know, buy into it and buy a franchise and, and not get the support that they need and, and, and fail because, number one, I hate to see failure at any level. Number two, um, it just puts a bad mark on, on franchising, and it doesn't need to be that way. So, anyway, it's just, you know, some of my concerns, and I know there are uh, many people in franchising, including, you know, Mr. Crisanti and some of the people at the IFA and some of the broker networks that are, you know, looking at things like this um, with a little bit more keener eye than they might have in the past. You know, I've heard some people who are people that I actually respect and admire who have um, expressed a different opinion than mine in terms of franchise readiness, you know, proof of concept. Those three words to me have always been cornerstones of anybody who's talking about franchising their business. You better have proof of concept. And I've heard some people think, saying actually otherwise, you know, some things have been moving along so quickly and so fast-paced in their growth and progression that sure will work as a franchise. I said, really? Proof, proof of concept to me is something that you can't do on the fly and you need more than a single unit as you just described to to actually have proof of concept I mean maybe two or three or five company owned units in different types of markets that are being run by managers instead of the franchisor or the, or the potential franchisor and founder of the business uh, you, you can't possibly be a responsible franchisor in my mind without proof of concept and yet so many people have been rushing to market Paul um, that don't think that's a requirement. And I guess we're all entitled to differences of opinion. I have, uh, I've learned to be able to say a, a few words, a phrase in front of a sentence sometimes, which is, I guess you could be right. You could be right, but I don't <laughs> see it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the reason I also think franchising uh, really is um, continuing on the right track uh, and will always be, in my mind and everybody else's mind, probably the cornerstone of the small business economy. I love this wave of entrepreneurship that's going through. Um, I love the fact that we've talked with some people. I mean, one particular, I remember the story with Stacy Brown, the founder of Chicken Salad Chick. And, of course, we went through, I think it was two or three segments of Franchise Today in a row where the, the C word, the cancer word, you know, popped up. And to hear mm -hmm. the, uh, the challenges that people had, but yet the fortuitiveness and pulling themselves up by their bootstraps 
and and making it work. And um, maybe some of it was survival at the beginning, but still to follow through on the dream. And, of course, you know, some of these have, have wound up in the hands of private equity players. Uh, and, and maybe it didn't work out quite so well. Like, you know, Gigi Butler has done a, a great job with Gigi's and sold off to private equity. And now, as we said at the beginning of the show, uh, Gigi uh, Cupcakes is in bankruptcy. And yet on the other side of the coin, uh, Gigi Butler is, is thriving in, in her role as an entrepreneur and doing great work with, uh, with her new book. Uh, but just these entrepreneurial stories, but also some of these hardship stories. I mean, these are real people. I mean, if you go back and listen to um, There's No Perfect Recipe for Success, uh, which was the episode with uh, Stacy Brown of Chicken Salad Chick. I mean, what a remarkable story. I mean, you know, her, her divorce, raising kids, winds up with a, with a partner who becomes her husband, who later dies of, of cancer, and she keeps plugging away. She started out by, um, you know, selling uh, chicken salad sandwiches out of her car. The health department stops her. She go to bricks and mortar. I mean, it just goes on and on again. And I, I remember getting off the, the, the air that day, and you said, have you ever had one of their sandwiches? And I said, no. Well, about a month ago, my wish was granted as chicken salad chick uh, opened <laughs> up literally five minutes from the house. And my wife was fortunate to, uh, to win um, a, a year of chicken salad. Once a month, we get a big container of chicken salad from the store. So, Hey, uh, all good, right? <laughs> you bet. But you know what you're pointing out, I think is, is worthy of, of shining a light on Paul. Cause you know, uh, so much of the franchise business is about culture, and so much of the success of franchise concepts are not just driven by the secret sauce, if you will, or or the product or service that's provided by the corporation that franchised it, but the culture as well. And you know, the leadership and the the culture of leadership has a whole lot to do with the success of anything in life. But when you're bringing people together from different backgrounds and you're bringing people together who are coming from maybe different sectors of, of the corporate world and they're investing in a common brand together, you've got to really work hard to make certain that not only do they have the, the skills and the abilities and the education and training to, to succeed in, in whatever that brand is, but how are they going to work together collectively? How are their soft skills? And how do they come together in a culture of team um, to deliver as a whole what that brand's growth is yep. going to depend on? And literally, a lot of that gets ignored or it doesn't get the focused attention that it needs to assure that a sure. brand can scale and, and grow. So you, you're pointing out some of the attributes of leadership of franchise companies that are definitely pointers to the idea of, of leaders lead through adversity adversarial problems and situations and crises where others may have folded their tents. But um, I think that's a trait that we see. You know, we've seen, too, another thing that surprised me, and you talked about Aziz earlier, um, how many times in the past few years have we done interviews with C-suite executives that have degrees in engineering and backgrounds in, in, oh, yeah. in engin engineering of all places? You'd think, well, what's that got to do with franchising? But I can get it now that you think about it, really. I mean, where do you go to find more systems and I's dotted and T's crossed and um, than you would in, you know, in, in the kinds of 
professions that require engineers to run them. Absolutely. You know, two things uh, I'd like to point out before uh, turning over to you and, and giving us, you know, some insight in your conversations with, uh, uh, with Robert Crisanti and uh, looking back uh, over this past year and, of course, uh, looking ahead, uh, two episodes that really stand out in my mind, uh, Chris and Andrew McQuiston uh, over at the Goldfish Swim School, family coming together uh, to a higher level. Um, it, it, that was a remarkable story that I will never forget. And one in particular, you talk about being able to, um, you know, franchising is all about replication, but seeing some great leaders in one organization uh, leaving, whether it be through sale or, or, or for whatever reason, and then going over out of their industry segment, but using the same principles to move another brand forward. And of course, I refer to a very good friend of both of ours, uh, Steve Greenbaum of Comfort Care Health Care Holdings. And going from that, which was, you know, mail and a business support service and, and, and that, and then making this transition quite successfully, I might add, over to uh, comfort care. And I think that's just taking those same principles, um, the same values, because I know culture is a big part of organizations that Steve runs, and, and then taking it into an industry segment that is, couldn't be any more different than what he was used to and was used to for well over 20 years. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And as you talk about uh, the McQuiston brothers, you know, Andrew and Chris um, also have uh, another connection in, in the quality of leadership and, and team that they've built. And, of course, I'll give a quick shout-out to Dan Israel, who is an avid listener of Franchise Today, but he's been part of that leadership and development team at Goldfish that has helped them bring that culture to others that come to it. So to the point of culture and leadership and like-minded people, whether they're brothers or not, um, it starts with everything to do with culture and grows from the family itself, like the, the brothers out to people that are part of the leadership team like Dan that help assure that those concepts are going to continue to grow. You're listening to Franchise Today, now in its 10th season of podcasting. I'm Stan Friedman, and along with co-host Paul Segreto, we're looking back on 2018, talking a little bit about the year ahead and reflecting on some of our programming um, over the last year. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they foster healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides a hybrid coaching and consulting approach for their clients that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's team as well as for their franchisees. And the Franchise Foundry is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and of course, franchise recruitment and development. What's more, the Franchise Foundry team can assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions, and then providing you with the kind of guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about Paul Segreto and how the Franchise Foundry can take your brand to the next level and pay them a visit at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by FRM Solutions. Stan Friedman and his team offers best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. 
FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor team and perspective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified as well with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences to your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. The long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. So, Paul, as I uh, yeah, go ahead. You, you've, you've spent some time this week with uh, with Robert Crisanti, as you have uh, in in the past as well, quite a bit of time. Um, give us some insight. Well, it was a a really experience this year to have Robert in town overnight. So, some of us from the Southeast Franchisor, a Southeast Franchise Forum board, were able to have dinner with him the evening before the luncheon that he was here to deliver for what we, I think as I scored the room, looked about 120, maybe 125 people that came out to hear him. I got to tell you that Robert is one of the most entertaining uh, guys to sit around a dinner table with as he talks about things that transcend just the day-to-day things that are part and parcel of being president and CEO of the IFA. I reflected in fact, and I, you know, me being the irreverent guy I am, I asked, I begged his permission. I said, Robert, I, I was the sponsor of the luncheon. So I got to introduce him. Um, and I said, you know, I can sit, stand here and read this, this bio, or I could just talk about you as I know you. And he said, go for it. Just do it. And I said, but you know me, he said, no, just do it. So one of the things I observe on his resume that's or on the bio that was handed to me to read about him, and I really didn't know this, um, but Robert's an attorney, and he went to law school at Baylor. And you know how you and I have every single week started this podcast, and our interviews with a guest each week are always started the same way, where you know we didn't franchising didn't find us, we backed into it. How did that happen for you? And we get that story from all of our guests. Well. I wonder if when Robert went to school to become an attorney, if he had any idea uh, that franchising was in his future. I doubt it. But you have to ask the question because he went to school at Baylor, and Baylor is in Waco, Texas, where we've got our friends that we've already discussed earlier in this hour, uh, Neighborly and the Dwyer Group. Who would have known, would Robert have ever guessed that he was he was seeding his legal career in a city that would have such impact and influence on a, a piece of his life that was years ahead. And then, too, when you look back and, and say, you know, Robert now is the leader and the steward of all of our resources at the head of the IFA to protect the brand of franchising and all of us that are in it and all of the government advocacy and all the work that he has to do to fight for what's important to us to continue growing our businesses. Um, he came through first a dozen years in the very swamp that he's now trying to drain <laughs> and, and spent years in government. He was the highest ranking official 
in the Commerce Department to advocate for technology in the U.S. government. He, he worked through White Houses. He talks at dinner about uh, things like Whitewater that you don't hear him talking about when you hear him from the podium. So he's just an amazing, amazing guy who has years and years of experience both in the public and private sector, both in government and out, and now the compendium of all those years of things that have prepared him to be the CEO of the IFA and to lead the charge. In, in the moments leading up to this, this stage of his career, I'm sure he had no idea where he was sitting any more than all of our guests, Paul, that we asked that same question too about how in the world did you land here? And so I found it interesting just in, in reflection and, and uh, begged the audience to indulge me that moment to share that little anecdote on the way to talking about some of the things that Robert told us about in the past year that we can celebrate. And um, a lot of it had to do with government. So the passage of H.R. 3441, which was saved the Local Business Act in the House, um, passed with not one or two, but eight Democratic voters or and Democrats who voted in favor of the bill, which set a record in itself in the past four years of, of the ability for IFA to resonate its message across the aisle and get bipartisan support for that bill. And that's a proud thing to, to note because uh, piggybacking on that, Robert shared as well that in 2018, the, the dollars that the Fran Pack from IFA have contributed to candidates that are franchise friend, friendly has jumped from 50-50 uh, Republican-Democrat, no, 70-30 in favor of Republicans, but 30% was given to Democratic candidates in 2018 with the, with the hope that in 2019 and 20, that number and percentage will jump because we've had eight Democrats come our way with that H.R. 3441 and the hope is that that's a trend that will continue and that we can find more bipartisan support than we've ever seen in recent years past. And in my humble opinion, Paul, until we get there, you know, we're still just treading water. Any, impet any input on that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a halt. I mean, there's, there's no doubt until we get, you know, some of those issues, you know, resolved and, and clear. But, you know, I, I've really been impressed by uh, Robert Crisanti and certainly haven't had the um, the luxury, so to speak, because I don't travel as much anymore, to really uh, hear him speak. I read a lot of what he puts out. Of course, we had him on the show earlier this year. I, I believe that the uh, the leadership, under his leadership, you know, franchising is, is poised to overcome those challenges. Well, we can only hope so, and I think that you know, he, he represents a softer touch to, to soft skills. And so I know he has worked diligently to try to work across the aisle. He's worked diligently with Bobby Rush and the Congressional Black Caucus and trying to expand uh, the voices of those that understand what franchising is about, helping, helping to expand the universe of congressional members that can understand the impact of franchising gives back and understand the messaging of of the soft side of franchising that it's not a corporate world that we live in the brands are corporate but the ownership is all local some other things that uh, robert pointed to that were big wins for us this year were the saving of 
uh, $8 billion in federal tax savings each year as part of the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, some wins with the NLRB and the Department of Labor on rulemaking mm -hmm. for joint employer and how IFA hopes to uh, very soon be announcing significant economic research as part of the regulatory process coming out of that. Another big win was the introduction of H.R. 4473, which was the Veteran Entrepreneur Act of 2017 in the House and Senate 2950, a companion bill, which basically provides for tax credits up to $400,000 for up to 25% of a franchise fee from veterans that are qualified. That's huge. And that's, real, that, that's a big piece of legislation to put, uh, to put out there for veterans who come out of the service, Paul, with all the experience in the world of giving orders, taking orders, having every attribute of leadership that you would look for in a successful franchisee, but they've been making $1.25 an hour and, you know, in the military and don't have the bucket of money needed mm -hmm. to, uh, to become a franchisee. And this bill is going to help those qualified applicants for, for brands that will bring them into uh, business ownership, maybe make massive changes in the lives of returning veterans. So that was a biggie. No doubt. I mean, veterans, um, what we do for veterans is very important. You know, I always have to give a shout out to um, Dina Dwyer Owens and the, uh, and the Dwyer group now, Neighborly. Um, and they've been on the show, her and Mary Kennedy Thompson and, and others. Um, they just do a great job, and I love what they're doing as far as, you know, internship, even for the veterans that, you know, can't afford, you know, business ownership. So, you know, these uh, efforts uh, by the IFA and what's going, up on, uh, going on up on the hill is really important when it comes to veterans, and uh, I'm very proud. Uh, to be an American and thank everybody that's a veteran, you know, for their service because it is the ultimate sacrifice. Hey, one last piece that can't be ignored is uh, the FASB issues and all the roller coasters that we've been riding for the past couple of years regarding FASB. Um, and the fact is that they issued guidance on financial accounting standards, which saved more than 104,000 franchises from bankruptcy and 1.1 million jobs over the next three years. Uh, wow. And, you know, FASB, FASB put forth some of the accounting changes that were going to impact franchising. Now, I don't think they did it with intention, and I don't think they understood the impact that they were going to be causing was unintended collateral damage. But again, it was the voice of the IFA stepping in and um, helping to right that wrong. And Paul, beyond that, I think we've got some of the collective voices of the IFA's board who, um, who have posted some of their thoughts about the year ahead and some of the challenges that we face. And I can summarize a few of those if, if time will allow us. Um, most everyone on the board is very positive in their outlook for 2019 with a look ahead, thinking that 18 and 19 should look a lot the same in terms of the spirit of growth and the marketplace being favorable. The things that I think I see universally called out as concerns all deal with labor and delivery. And so, you know, the voices of Tom Baber and um, Janet Bailey, who believes 18 and 19 will look a lot the same, Jerry Crawford the same, Jerry thinks that one of our 
pressing important issues for 2019 are going to be technology related. Couldn't agree with you more, Jerry. Thanks for validation. Um, Charlie Chase, the outlook for business is good in 19. His concerns are driven by labor and by tariffs and can't say enough about that as we play ball on an international playing field. Ron Feldman, looking forward to continued success and in increasing a little bit in the cost of capital for 2019 is a bit of a concern on Ron's part. Our good friend Lane Fisher reflects on franchise ownership continuing to become concentrated in the hands of fewer owners, pointing toward the continuing trend that we see toward multi-unit ownership and mega franchisees and even private equity-owned franchisees as compared to uh, startups. Lauren Fisher um, puts out there that at the end of 2018, is, if it was any indication, 2019 should be an even stronger year. Um, brands cannot rest on their past successes. They need to continue to innovate in all aspects of their business. Sherry Fishman uh, tells us that she's looking for another strong year for growth overall in franchise businesses and a more concentrated focus on their brand's messaging. Our good friend Gordon Logan uh, is concerned again about recruiting. So, you know, this labor thing is not something that is whether you're food or not. Um, labor right. and, and the ability of the ability of finding people who will come to work um, in franchise businesses is, is you know the job market and the good and the bad news right unemployment is at its lowest right. and the problem problem that does is it drives up the cost of labor but um, Gordon also talked about the reduction in government regulation and the minimization of overreaching agency policies and tax reduction for the and the effect that it had on 2018 should carry forward um, into 2019 to the success of those of us in the franchise world. And on and on, the same from Mark Liston, Tamara Kennedy, Catherine Munson, uh, Barbara Moran, everybody very, very, very forward-looking with positive thoughts toward 19 and the belief that um, we're, we've got a great year ahead of us. Let's just stay out of our own way. What do you think about that, Paul? Uh, I agree, but I, I also think, you know, when we talk about labor and talking about, um, you know, franchising and, and on the corporate side, especially with so many uh, franchise brands, uh, even if the numbers are lower than they have been, we're still going to have to fill some of these um, mid-level management positions and, of course, uh, in the future executive positions. And I think we'd be remiss in not talking about, you know, Ray Titus and the Titus Center for Franchising and Dr. John Hayes, I know you're very uh, involved with that, sitting on their uh, board as well. Uh, why don't you touch upon that a little bit? Because I, I think that, to me, was one of political stuff aside. This, to me, was one of the game changers for franchising moving forward. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a reflection on the fact that our next generation of franchising these and franchisors, employed professionals as well as, as unit owners, um, education is, is a key component, and, and you've got to start with the generation coming up so that we can stop interviewing people and asking them how they backed into something instead of how did you get into it with intention. Um, okay. hats, off to Ray Titus. hats off to Ray Titus for his uh, contribution to the creation of the Titus Franchise Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, um, 
endowing that university with a program that is bringing students from all over the world to a, a tough place to live. I know Palm Beach, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> but they're coming to a place where they can get um, a degree in business with a concentration in franchising, and that's not something that's being offered anywhere else in the world, and it's going to help foster education and another generation of up-and-coming next-gen type of recruits to the franchise world. And as we've seen from what IFA's next-gen program has already demonstrated, it comes to us at both the Z and the Zor level. We've seen incredible young people uh, coming up through the ranks and getting the foundations of a better education and applying it toward franchising. And Palm Beach Atlantic University um, has made a huge investment in believing in Dr. Hayes as its endowed professor, and and they're going to continue. They're going to do under and undergraduate as well as graduate um, courses and correspondence courses that will enable people from all over the world to benefit from the instruction that Dr. Hayes and the curriculum at Palm Beach Atlantic will provide for those who are going to get better educated and learn more about cornerstones of franchising as a foundation for getting started either as a Z, as a Zor, or as an employee, but in all cases, better educated so that we can mitigate failure and, and better assure success. Yeah, I think uh, trying to fast forward in my mind what it's going to look like, you know, five years from now, and I think it's going to spur, you know, some um, some thought and action on under other um you know, educational um, organizations, including universities and colleges. I, I think it's just a tremendous step on their part, and I'd have to uh, definitely extend my thanks to Dr. John Hayes and, and Ray Titus the same. And I please encourage our audience. I know a lot of people don't listen to us in real time. They, they download us from iTunes or Blog Talk Radio at a later date, but uh, please do know, make note that at the end of January – Franchise Expo South in Fort Lauderdale is is going to be bolting onto a boot camp, franchise sales boot camp that is being presented and hosted by Dr. Hayes and a host of speakers at Palm Beach Atlantic. So, you know, franchisors that are coming down to Fort Lauderdale for the tough duty of setting up a booth and participating in the show in Lauderdale can stretch their time in Florida with a few more days of education by Dr. Hayes at Palm Beach Atlantic. So. Check that out on the web, and, and if you've not registered or heard about it, look up the Franchise Boot Camp, Franchise Sales Boot Camp at Palm Beach Atlantic, and it's going to be uh, in conjunction with, with Franchise Expo South and MFV. Should be a great event. Well, Stan, we're uh, you know, getting close to the end, and we promised our listening audience that we would set the stage for 2019 and beyond with some exciting news. And... Um, it's exciting and yet uh, bittersweet, at least for me, at, hmm. the, at the same time, as you and I have uh, discussed and agreed to, you know, continue with franchise today, but it would be more in your arms, actually, almost all in your arms. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think as we've reflected on this hour and we reflect every week when we do the program, Paul, you know, change is certain and growth is optional, right? And so for everybody that we talk with, we, we talk about the changes in life and how they've grown through them. And, and I think the two of us are not excluded from that discussion. And um, 
I think that we've seen some changes in our businesses, both FRM and, and yours at the Foundry and some of the work that you do has led you more toward working with candidates and with prospective franchisees and with the development side of growing um, franchises for some of your clients as opposed to uh, the franchisor-focused side of business, which is really where I live. And so while we've had a tremendous run for the past, I don't know, four years or more um, with a single-focused trajectory, I think that your second podcast that you've begun producing in 2018 is has got more of a calling to what it is that you need to be doing and the people that you can serve and help in that world will continue to grow and prosper for you. And likewise, me on this side of, of life talking with franchisors about their trajectory and helping their um, helping share their stories with others who have aspired to try to project in the same path uh, will be more franchisor focused. And so franchise today continues and I'll continue to host every week and have guests every week that are relevant to the world of franchise or oriented business and stories about success and sustainable growth and sensible franchising. And Paul will continue his Saturday morning podcast more focused on franchise development and recruits. And you can talk a bit about that, Paul, better than me. So please do. Yeah, so we launched Franchising in You about uh, six months ago, and it's entirely focused on candidates, individuals interested in exploring franchising as a uh, a career alternative. Maybe it's something to um, add on to their portfolio of, of businesses and investments, or maybe just to achieve uh, wishes, hopes, and dreams. And it's basically a a franchising 101 that basically will piggyback my monthly column in Franchise Dictionary Magazine, uh, where that column is uh, actually titled Franchising uh, 101. And it's also good for individuals that maybe have recently um, launched into franchising and uh, opened up a location or two and are looking to expand. I know this past week we had Shirley Kefkin from FranFund on talking about you know, multi-unit ownership and, and funding strategies. So it's really uh, exciting, and we're actually launching uh, at the end of January, beginning of February, a new podcast uh, that will be called Entrepreneurship in You, uh, kind of along the same lines just to uh, pique the interest of individuals that maybe are starting a brand or maybe uh, looking at leaving the corporate world and looking at entrepreneurship. So it will be a a, a little bit of a different uh, twist. Uh, So I'm really excited about it. Uh, I have a passion for this, not that I don't have a passion for the other, uh, but I just wanted to be able to uh, dedicate and focus more time on the candidate side of business. Well, I'm really excited for you, Paul, and and wish all the best and nothing but the best as always for any place that you uh, find your path taking you that is franchise-centric and helping those that that benefit from the wisdom that you share um, we'll continue on Wednesdays at noon Eastern, producing new episodes of Franchise Today beginning not next week but the following Wednesday. Um, FRM Solutions will continue to be the the overarching title sponsor as uh, FRM will present Franchise Today. Um, we'll be bringing on some new sponsors like Soul Link, who have some of the most incredible technology for 
things you can do with point of sale systems to protect your business and give you eyes when you're not there to see yourself what's going on inside your stores and uh, and others that are going to be participating including the franchise foundry who will continue to sponsor the interview segments each week and so the guests that we bring on to share their success stories and and talk through some of those hills and valleys that got them to where they are today but that segment of a franchise today each week will continue to be brought to you and sponsored by Paul and the Franchise Foundry. So while your melodious tones will be gone, we'll still be talking about <laughs> you, Paul, every week. <laughs> well, knowing your uh, busy schedule, I could see maybe one or two times during the year where you'll say, hey, Paul, can you host this week's show? And, of course, I'd be honored to do so. Well, it'll be a pleasure to have the time off, and it'll be a greater pleasure to have you sitting in the chair. So thank you twice, my friend. Well, that's a wrap for this special edition of Franchise Today. My name is Paul Segreto, and as I proudly turn over the reins to my great friend and trusted colleague, Stan Friedman, I wish you the best, the very best, in this wonderful world of franchising. Franchise Today is out. Franchise pros Stand the man Paul Segretto Time to show you the way Of franchising today Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever the passion lights that pilot light under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear is streaming in HD Fine tunes both of your ears. And standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor, it's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising, proving concepts to start enterprises. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Huh, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today. Sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Sustainable growth to sensible franchise. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.